Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. as short and sweet as we can since it's just a little bit warmer but i got a couple uh, little riddles for you if you will how many of you remember as a kid there was the uh, why did the chicken cross the road joke you remember that why did he cross the road anybody know I'll get to the other side well here's here's a couple different spins on that why did the rubber chicken cross the road she wanted to stretch her legs <laughs> Uh, I need Jake up there on the drums. Exactly. Okay. Why did the Roman chicken cross the road? She was afraid someone would seize her. (laughs) Listen, I didn't write these, all right? Why did the chicken cross the playground? To get to the other slide. Oh. And the last one here. I don't know, it's, this is the worst one yet, so I don't even know. Why did the rooster cross the road? To cock-a-doodle do something. Anyways, <laughs> told you. <laughs> Listen, I didn't write them, I just looked them up online. So, anyways, so I said that for the simple factor, just kind of got you thinking or got you laughing or booing or whatever the case might be. Just simply to get to the question of asking... What comes first, the chicken or the egg? You know, there's this big question in life. What came first, the chicken or the egg? But here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that everything reproduces after its own kind. So if everything reproduces after its own kind, what that means is is that the chicken had to come first in order to reproduce after himself, right? So if we were to have an apple, if I was to have an apple in my hand, which I was going to have one and I forgot it, and so uh, maybe the kids ate it, I don't remember, but you know, if I had an apple in my hand and I got to the very source of the life of the apple, what is it reduced down to or what is the very first stage of life for that apple? You might think, well, the apple came from a tree, but where did the tree come from? It came from a seed, Right? The seed was what produced the apple, and everything reproduces after its own kind. And so as we are talking about this series of getting raw and getting vulnerable with God, this has really been a message that has been stirring in my heart for really a number of weeks now. And I remember last week I kind of threw my wife under the bus and said she'd be joining me this week, but she had a real busy week, and so maybe next week she'll minister. I don't know. Oh, she's not giving me the knife. So, but anyways, I just thought, well, because she had a busy week, I'll just go solo today. But nevertheless, this particular message has really been stirring in my heart. And that is this heart of being vulnerable before God. And really, men, I want to talk to you this morning. Now, ladies, this is going to be applicable to you. But really, this is really focusing in and talking to the hearts of men. Because you realize that it takes a man and a woman to produce a child, but it is a man that produces the seed in order for a child to come into this world. So if everything reproduces after its own kind and it begins with a seed, then that tells me that men, we hold a very vital role in the establishment of marriage, of the home, of the family, and of our children. 
And guys, in a world that is so difficult to be vulnerable, thank you, in a life and in a world that seems to be so difficult to find ourselves vulnerable, I really want to challenge you this morning to allow yourselves to get to that place to become vulnerable with God, vulnerable with your wives, vulnerable with people, vulnerable with your church family, so that we can continue to grow and just begin to experience God in a whole new way. Amen? Amen? And so once again, as we begin to look at this, I want to challenge us how we become vulnerable. And if you will, turn in your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3, and you won't see them up on the screen today or this particular portion because I want to talk to us at a couple different points and stop and just elaborate on some things. But if you'll turn to Genesis chapter 3, and we'll begin in verse 1. And this is obviously the beginning of God's family. It says in verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any of the beasts of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the tree of the garden, but the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4 says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, it, your eyes will be opened, and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and that the, and, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Let's stop there for just a moment. Did you notice that when it came to the enemy coming into the midst of the family, that Satan didn't go to the man? Did you notice that? He didn't try to mess with Adam. He tried to go through the back door and started messing with Eve. Started messing with Adam's wife, right? So how did he begin to stir up this trouble in the first place? He didn't go to the leader or the one that God said, you have dominion, you control things, you conquer things, you have leadership in this earth. He decided to go through the back door and get his foot in through the woman or by the woman. And then he asked the question. He says, when it comes to this tree, he said, did God really say not eat it? And she says, well, not only did he say that, he says, don't touch it or we'll die. Well, God didn't say that. But what Satan came to do is he began to come and question truth. He began to question the woman about the truth that God spoke to her and spoke to Adam and Eve. And then as we continue to see this, we also see that when she uh, replayed back the conversation that God said, she inflated or exaggerated the truth. Now, women, I know you're not like that, right? No. 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 Not at all. I know we're all that way, but, you know, again, women... You know, again, I, hopefully this isn't going to put me in a bad place. But, you know, we know how ladies can be. You know, you can kind of exaggerate some things. You know, when I'm talking to my wife, I mean, I might have left the toilet seat up one time. And she says, you never, ever, do you never, ever put the seat down? I mean, there's always these absolutes, right? Like, I've never done it in my life. See, it's distorted truth, baby. That's what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. 
Again, it can tend to get exaggerated, get inflated. And then here's what he said to her. He says, now listen, if you eat of this fruit, you will have truth and knowledge of what is right and wrong and what is good and what is evil. So to me, that tells me that that the enemy came to the wife and began to present questions to her to look to her husband and say, you're a dummy. Come on, we laugh. But isn't that a big snare in the midst of our family, in our homes? Is that there is this question of leadership. Well, you're nothing but a dummy. You know, I let let you take the role and take the lead before, but you take us down the road and we've gotten to a bad place, so I'll never do that again. And so she tries to put the pants on. Right? Come on, you know what I'm talking about. And maybe, ladies, you're in that place where you call your husband stupid. Stupid is a stupid does. You know, that's what Forrest Gump said. (laughs) But once again, I believe the enemy tries to creep in and create questions of stability a vulnerability to a wife towards a husband and begin to cause doubt and cause there to be a divide within the home. And then the Bible says that once he presented the fruit of the tree, she did see that it was good. She saw that it looked good. She saw that it certainly must taste good. And so then she began to have a desire. And once again, what do we see oftentimes creeping into the homes? Women like to go shopping. I want what I want. I like to have the purse. I like to have the shoes. I like to have the clothes. Now, once again, I'm not trying to be stereotypical, but we see in the Word of God that the enemy began to work on the woman in the nature of how God made her, right? But here's the interesting thing. Is that as she ate the fruit... The Bible says that she turned and gave it to her husband. He was there the whole time. Now, God said to Adam, he says, now, I want you to have dominion. I want you to be the leader of this earth and be the leader of my family. I want you to conquer. I want you to have dominion and authority. And God says, you are my man and you take the role. But we see right as he was there in the midst of that conversation and dialogue, he just sat back and didn't say a word. In fact, knowing that he shouldn't have done it, she turned and gave it to him. And he says, okay, (laughs) I will. Come on, guys. Isn't that what they do? They bat their eyes at us and we're like, okay, (laughs) whatever you say. (laughs) Right? She don't know, but she's got me wrapped around her little finger. I just try to put on a good face so she don't let it go to her head, but she really does. I think as men, I think as men we have a tendency to sit back and defer to the women in our lives, to our wives. And you might ask the question, why? And I really believe that some of that has to do with our pride. And has to do with our insecurity. As men. Once again. God told him his role. And he's right there in the midst of the conversation. But he chose to do nothing. He could have said wait a minute. That's not the truth. Wait a minute. You stop right now and get out of here. You stop right now and leave my wife alone. But he just sat there. And in turn. She began to lead. Let's continue to read. Let's go over to verse 8 here. 
Genesis 3, verse 8. Just another verse down. It says, And they heard the sound of the Lord. This is after they partook of the fruit. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. God among the trees and of the garden. In verse 9 it says, Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? Isn't it interesting? Let's stop there for a minute. Isn't it interesting that in the midst of all this conversation with the enemy, Adam did nothing to take the lead. But when it came to running and hiding, did you notice the Bible says that Adam and his wife went and hid? It didn't say even her husband went. It says Adam and his wife. So what's that tell us? That tells us that Adam was real quick to take the lead and run off and not take responsibility for what his role should have been. Once again, guys, I believe that God has called us to step up and be men of God that God has called us to be. Let's continue in verse 10. It says, So he said to her, or so, so he said, I heard your voice in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree in which I commanded you that you should not eat? Then the man said, The woman whom you gave me, she gave me of the tree and I ate it. Once again, did you notice how he responded? He didn't take the leadership. He juked or he sidestepped his responsibility as a leader and as a man. God, it's your fault. You gave her to me. Right? Verse 13, and the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? And the woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God, or the Lord God said to the serpent, says, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the cattle, and more than every beast in the field. says, And on your belly you shall go, and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. Let's look at verse 16. To the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply, pl- greatly multiply your sorrows at your conception and your conception. And in pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband and he shall rule over you. Verse 17. Then to Adam, he said, because you have heeded the voice of your wife. Notice what he said there. Because you let her take the lead. Because you listened to her. Because you didn't stand up. Because you weren't the man of God that I called you to be. He says to Adam, because you heeded to her voice, your wife, and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you and said that you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In your toil shall eat, or in toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you. And you shall eat of herbs in the field and the sweat or in the sweat of your face. A sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. So once again, as we continue to see this, we see that man did not take the role of what he was supposed to and lead as a husband. The Bible says in verse 16, he says, Eve, because you did this thing, said, because of this, you will always desire your husband. Here's what the translation means. It says, you shall desire, or your desire shall be for your husband, and he shall rule over you. What that really actually translates, you will desire to control him. But, he'll rule over you. 
Come on, does that look like our society today? Does that look like marriages today and families? Where you have men that are consistently not being the leaders of their home, the men of God in which God has called them to be, and you consistently see women trying to control or rule over their husbands. What am I saying? They're trying to take the role of leader. Now, we'll see in just a minute that the Bible says that we're co-leaders together. But my point is this, is that there's always going to be this feud. And the reason that there is a feud is simply because man did not take his role of leadership like God called him to. Guys, if we don't do that, if we don't do that today, there is going to be continual conflict within our homes. We can change it. We can be the leaders that God has called us to be. And then in verse 17, he says to this, he says, because you heeded her voice, because she led you to the man, he says, you're going to toil all the days of your life. Thanks, Adam. <laughs> Appreciate that. Yeah. I feel sorry for that guy. I mean, you know that for the last 5,000 years, every guy that's ever went to heaven is like, thanks, Adam. And then when we go, when we go home, we're like, dude, get away from me. I'll talk to you in about a thousand years, but right now, <laughs> he didn't take his place. But then we see Adam and Eve's kids. Now we're running short on time, so I don't know that I'll necessarily be able to really get into the heart of the meat of the message today. But we see Cain and Abel. Adam's two sons in the Bible says that they began to worship God and bring sacrifice. And one brought a sacrifice of a firstborn sacrifice. The shedding of blood to worship God. The other brought fruits and vegetables. And the one that was the fruits and vegetables was not honorable to God. Now what that tells me is that Adam not only was not the leader or the husband that he should have been, but he was not the father or the leader that he should have been. Because had he been the spiritual leader of his home, Cain and Abel would have both known what was acceptable to God. As a pastor, you know, you'll see families come in and you'll see their children. And it's like, they don't know how to act in church. And I'm not being hard. I'm just simply saying, they just never been. Well, why don't they know? Because they've never been raised in it. Well, thank God we can get our kids in church at a young age and they can begin to grow in the things of God. But once again, we see very, very clearly that Adam must not have done his job as a father, as a spiritual leader, because his sons or one of his sons was not aware of what needed to be done. And then the Bible says that after God said to uh, Cain, he says, I, I don't like your sacrifice. He said, I liked Abel's, but I didn't like yours. The Bible says that the brothers were out in the field. They were talking about it. And you know how brothers are. <laughs> God liked mine. <laughs> he didn't like yours. And they got into a fight. And the Bible says that Cain killed Abel. Well, how did it ever get to that place? How did it escalate? Obviously, their home, their family, the marriage had to be dysfunctional in order for the two sons to get to a place where one would kill the other. Now, I don't know if that does any good for you, but it makes me feel good because they were the very first family and therefore the very first family should have been the best family 
But we see that, man, there's hope for you and me. <laughs> Come on. All right, God, I know I don't have it all together. They didn't either. But don't you ever wonder, why did God put that in the Bible? I mean, it was the first one you would think, God, they would at least have gotten it right and had a better, a better story and a better example to tell us. But God was vulnerable between you and I to say, see, my kids messed up. And if they messed up and they still had hope, there's hope for you. And that also means that we can actually learn from the mistakes of God's kids and God's families that have went before us. And what that ultimately means is that husbands, men, fathers, if we see the examples of where things had gone wrong and where it caused the family and life to become a mess, then we can say there is something that can be done differently and I can make a choice of what my family my marriage, my home, and my children, what that actually looks like. Can you say amen? amen? I want to ask you the question, guys. The Bible says that everything reproduces after its own kind. A family, a child, cannot be birthed in this world without there being a seed. And the seed comes from us, men. And so, guys, I want to ask you the question. When you look at your home, when you look at your marriage, when you look at your kids, do you like what you see? Because whether it's good or bad, it reflects you. Because everything reproduces after its own kind. And, guys, it starts with us. I know that's a real sobering question. And it might be real easy for us to say, well, no, everything's good. Everything's cool. Listen, I'm a pastor, but there's things in my family, in my marriage, with my kids. I'm like, God, I just don't like that. But I don't have to look very far. It's like, God, that guy right there, it's his fault. Me, the one that I'm looking at in the mirror. And just last week, I think it was actually this week, the beginning of this week, I had a dream, and many times God talks to me through dreams. And God spoke to me some things concerning how I parent. And He showed me some things that I would produce down the road in my children as adults. And it messed me up so bad that I couldn't sleep the rest of the night. Man, I went upstairs and laid on the couch, and I just couldn't even sleep. Now, it messed me up because it's like, God, I don't want that. But aren't you glad for the grace grace of God and the mercy of God that he loves us enough to get our attention and say, listen, there's hope for you. Come on. Why did he show me that? Not to show me that that's what you have right now, but he said, that's what you'll produce if you continue with this. And it's just subtle little things. So I know that Asking that question to you, what do you see and do you like what you see? I know there's things, men, that you would say, I don't like that. But how did it get there? It got there from you. But you also can turn it. You can change it. You might even say, well, my children, my family, I mean, we've been, they're, they're out of the house. Listen, you can still change some things because you can purpose to sow into that or give towards that or uh, uh, invest towards that. I'm talking of your time, of just loving them 
And you'll see it turn around. Amen? God wants us to continue to see the hand of God moving in our, hand, in our families. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5. Now this particular portion of Scripture is one that we oftentimes use in a, in a wedding ceremony. But I want us to see some things. If we'll go to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. I believe this one will be up on the screen if you don't have your Bibles or if you're not turning fast enough. Turn to your neighbor, tell them to hurry up. All right, now, be, be kind, be kind. All right. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 15. It says, See, see then that you walk circumspectly or keeping your eyes open. Don't just have tunnel vision. Take inventory. Look around. It says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the day, the days are evil. Therefore, do not be, or excuse me, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not be drunk with wine and which is in dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in hymns and psalms and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart. To the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now it goes into talking very specifically to husbands and wives. But I find it interesting that proceeding talking to the husbands and wives, he says, don't be duped, don't be unwise, keep your eyes open, and don't disallow yourselves to be just drunk with the things of this world. In fact, for that matter, how many of us have met our significant others while we were half out of our minds? Come on. I mean, again, everybody's got a past, and maybe that was your past. And, you know, but I, and then you wake up one day and think, dear God, what the heck did I get myself into? Man, she's just a monster. Well, listen... I can't help it you was half out of your mind when you started dating her and married her. I mean, it, whose fault is that? It's yours. <laughs> A point is this, is that God says, I don't want you to be all consumed with the things of this world being full in your mind. He says, I want you to have clarity of mind that when you have a family, have a home, have a relationship, that you know what you're doing. Amen. And then in verse 21, it says here, submitting to one another... In the fear of God. Let's establish that right away. God never said, men rule over your wives as a dictator. He says, no, you walk together as partners, submitting to one another. This is a partnership. I don't do anything without her permission. You mean you ask her for permission? Absolutely. Why would you do that? You're the man. Listen, the Bible says walk wisely with your wives. That's wisdom. Because it's not a very happy place if I don't. Well, the same thing applies back and forth. We're submitted to one another. And then it goes on to say in verse 22, it says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. And he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. It simply means to have honor and reverence. What's lacking? Why did Eve... Go and do her own thing because she lacked reverence and honor for her husband. And therefore, she chose to do something contrary. And the man didn't stand up and do the honorable thing. And therefore, she got the whole family off kilter. Right? 
It goes on to say in verse 25, Husbands, now you love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So the husbands ought to love their own wives as their own body. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own body, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. So listen to that. He says, husbands, love your wives just as you love yourselves. You know what that tells me? That men have a tendency of being selfish. All the women said, no, not really. Don't say that. (laughs) Come on, is that not true? I'm just speaking for myself now, guys. But I can tend to be a big boy. When I say big boy, meaning a big baby boy. When I want to play, I want to play. When I want to go buy a toy, I want to go buy a toy. And my toys are never cheap. And if I don't get my way, sometimes I just pout and just throw a tantrum. Right? Why? Because I can tend to be selfish. My wife, she says, well, I'm going to go shopping, and when I go shopping, I'm going to buy something for the kids. I go shopping, I say, hey, baby, look at my golf clubs, man. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> right? So, therefore, God says, listen, men, you'll have a tendency to be selfish and think about yourself. Just worry about yourself. But you purpose to love her just like you do yourself. So what does that mean? If I'm only thinking about myself first most of the time, then to turn that around means I ought to be thinking about her most of the time. How do I make that happen? How do I make her happy? How do I fulfill her dreams? Now, I'm just like you. I'm not saying that I do that very well. I'm working it out just like you guys are. But that's the standard. That's what God said for us to do. Can you say amen? Amen. So in order for me to do that, what do I have to do? I have to get vulnerable with my wife. I have to get vulnerable. Isn't that a hard thing to do? Man, I'm telling you, there's times where my wife and I will start talking. And God just starts working on my heart. And in the midst of God working on my heart, you know, you just, you feel that cry starting to come up. It's like, <clears throat> And she'll start laughing. What's the matter? Nothing. <laughs> and then you're trying to talk and God's stirring your heart. And <clears throat> what are you doing? I'm holding back from crying. Well, why is it hard to get vulnerable in front of your wife? She's my best friend. She's my helpmate. She's my life partner. But it's real difficult for us guys to truly be the men that God has made us and called us to be. And become vulnerable. Let me just share a couple things. I'm going to wind it up right here. Concerning men. What does a real, raw, vulnerable vulnerable man look like? Real men know that real love means commitment at any cost. Especially as it relates to his wife. Real men are friends to men. Mentors to boys. And they help set the standard for their daughters. Real men teach their children God's ways both in word and in action. Real men build into the lives of other men. Real men lead best when they love most. 
Real men are sacrificial for the sake of God, family, and others. Real men are servants. And real men can show emotion. Now, as I got to my notes at this particular place, I began to realize something, guys. Remember the Bible says this concerning the man? He says, ladies, he says, you're going to suffer and have greater pain in childbirth and you're going to carry this weight of being a mother and you're going to want to control your husband. And he says, but now guys, he says, you're going to be all about working and trying to make a living and it's all going to be about the task. It's all going to be about the performing and getting the job done. And so as I got to this place in my notes, I realized that that's kind of what my message was all about. Guys, here's the task. Guys, this is what we got to do. Guys, this is how we should fix it. Just shape up, ship out, whatever the case might be. It's real easy to just say, here's the to-do list. If we'll just do this, it'll be okay. But if Adam had had a true, close relationship with God much of this would probably have been avoided. If he was truly vulnerable with God, much of this would have, maybe have never shown up. In Ephesians, the Bible says, men, love your wives as Christ loves the church. Guys, I want to challenge us. Let's pursue God and have a true relationship with Him and get vulnerable with God. And you can only love your wife and love your kids to the extent that you love your God. Because if you don't love your God or if it's superficial, this thing will always be superficial. I'm telling you. You saw the conflict between sons to fathers through Adam. If we don't become vulnerable and real and raw with God, we will find that we have conflict with our children that never had to be there because we didn't learn how to love them with the love of God. Let me just finish with this verse in Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. So in other words, God Himself. If I love God and have a relationship with Him, this shows up. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. See, as I love God, that fruit shows up in my home. Guys, I want us to be the men that God's called us to be. I want us to be the examples. I want us to be able to raise the standard. Not a standard that is unattainable, but a standard where people can look to you and say, Gosh, I love your family. I love your home. It blesses me when people come over to my house and they say, Man, there's just something about your house that this is peaceful. I just love the atmosphere of your home. I'm thinking, oh, this should be better than this. 
but that tells me that God's moving in my home. That God's doing things. Amen? Let's stand. With every head bowed and every eye closed. Man, I really want to challenge you today to lean into God. To lean into that relationship and say, God, I want to be real. I want to be vulnerable. I want to get raw. And just allow myself to know and serve and have a relationship with you. I want us to have the families, the homes, and be the examples. So I'm going to pray over us right now. If you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you've never asked Christ into your life, I want to give you that opportunity because that's where it begins. Let's do that first. Anybody in this place, especially men, if you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, or maybe you once was walking with God and you feel like you've walked away and you just want to say, God, I want to come back home and become the man you called me to be. If that's you in this place, nobody looking around, I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want you to be able to raise your hand and be bold to say, that's me, Pastor. If that's you, would you just raise your hand? I see that hand. Anybody else? I see that hand back there. I see that hand back there. I see that hand back there. Thank you. I see that hand back there. Thank you. Anybody else? You can put them down once you put them up. I see that hand over there. Thank you, sir. Anybody else? Man or woman, you say, I want to serve God with everything I have. Thank you, men, for being bold. Thank you for being courageous. Any other one in it? In it, in it I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I see that hand, sir. Thank you. Anybody else? Young man, I see it. I see it. Young man, I see it. Thank you. Amen. Let's pray this prayer together. If you didn't raise your hand and you wish you would have, just pray it with me. And everybody together, let's pray this out loud. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being my father, being my example. And I ask you now to come into my life. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Raising from the dead for my sin. I invite you in now to my heart. Forgiving and washing me clean. In Jesus' name. God, I ask you to help me be the man, the woman that you've called me to be. From this day forward, I commit my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every person in this place. God, I thank you that you are purposing to stir our hearts, not to just to have a to-do list, but to say, God, we want to know you, walk with you, and love you. Because this is the best life ever, knowing who you are. God, be real to us this week. Jesus name and everyone said amen amen hey listen I know we went a little bit long so I'm just going to go ahead and dismiss you remember ladies are getting together tomorrow Wednesday night midweek service Hankins are coming in a week and a half so come on good things happen amen you're dismissed we'll see you next time
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.